It's Vancouver's Podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. This is Robert Smile coming to today with Vancouver's podcast, a member of the Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in Vancouver, British Columbia, so you can listen, discover, and engage. Today's guest is Wayne Wachelle, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer, founding partner of Genis Capital. Wayne co-founded Genis Capital in 1989 and is the architect of the firm's investment process. Genis Capital is a pioneer in Canada's divest invest movement and is home to Canada's first fossil free mutual fund family. Well, Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Good to be here. Great. Okay. I want you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, and give us the details on your current business. Okay. Uh, well, I'm from, I was born in Winnipeg and grew up in northern Manitoba, and uh, I think I got the entrepreneurial zeal from my father. He had a, a construction company, a gas station, and a restaurant, and so when I was 10 years old, 12 years old, I was pumping gas, changing tires, and helping do the payroll, so business, being an entrepreneur was, <laughs> was early on in my, in my life, and uh, I'm still doing that thing, so it's like i kind of been independent from day one, if you will. We're, I started the firm in 89 with a couple of partners, and we started off with $7 million. We now have $1.5 billion, and a good chunk of that business is our fossil-free uh, investments where we allow uh, we invest uh, monies for, for individuals and foundations that uh, want to invest in sustainable invest in, in investing. And our, I guess our tagline is that we can align your portfolios with your values and still help you achieve your investment goals. And we're very proud of our achievement. We think we're on the, on the leading edge of uh, green investing in Canada, and it's really helped uh, put the firm on the map, I think, the past four or five years. Okay, going back to 1989, did you need financing to start your company, and how do you currently make money in your business now? Okay, well, uh, the business, number one, is a very simple business. You, you know, investment counselors, they bill on, based on assets under management. And, you know, for institutional clients, it's probably around 25, 30 basis points. Uh, for private, it's around 1% in that range there. So it's very simple. You simply look at, at the asset, asset under management and you apply, you know, a billing rate to that. So it's a very simple business from that perspective in terms of getting revenues. And your talent is your is your is your, where you spend all the money. Uh, we started the firm in '89, and we had nine hundred. Sorry, we had four hundred thousand dollars of of financing that we needed to, to get off the ground. And that uh, that we, we broke even after a couple of years. It was uh, it was an interesting experience. We started off with seven million dollars, and uh, we. Uh, we picked up some new business, and we about three, four months later, we were at fifteen million dollars, and uh, we were paying for some, some of our expenses, a good chunk of our expenses, and we bought somebody's book of around ten million dollars. We were at twenty-five million dollars. Thought, man, this is pretty easy. After six months, uh, we're doing pretty good. We're paying our space expenses. Our salaries aren't covered yet, but we're doing pretty good. 
Well, we never got any business for a year after that. <laughs> and so it took us a while to get off the ground, but every quarter we would actually tally up our revenue and look at our burn rate and count how many months we have left before we have to fold up. And uh, we, one day we just got a phone call from somebody, a former client with, which was $15 million. And that happened after two years and we got, went to 40 million and then got a bigger account of around four, a pension account of around 40 million. Once we got through hundred million, we stopped doing our quarterly count and we had enough to cover us. And we got a lot of respect because we, people see we were, uh, saw we were going to, uh, succeed but it was just it was uh, the first two three years were, were pretty uh, interesting in terms of every quarter we counted our cash flow looked at our burn rate and said i think we got down to about one year left of of, of burn and uh, after a couple of years we stopped counting and uh, but it's, the business is you know, from that from a business model perspective in terms of revenue is is, is pretty straightforward you you simply bill based on your revenues based on your aum or asset under management and uh, that you, most of your money's got to pay your talent. Okay, what is the long-term vision and what will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas and where beyond Vancouver, BC, or even Canada? Well, we'd like to, we have got a good good lead in Canada in the sustainability space. Uh, we'd like to, if we're going to compete longer term, we have to go, we have to get some global customers, international customers, because we're dealing with international competition. So. We like to get some U.S. customers, some European customers, and and uh, become more of a global manager in in that space, as well as move right now into right now we're more divesting. We want to move into a bigger way in the impact space. That's investing in money in in, in investments that are making a difference that are more mission based uh, in the marketplace. So it's a it's a further extension of the whole divestment process or the divestment movement. Into, into the into the good guys, if you will. Okay, let's talk a little bit about doing business in Vancouver and what that looks like for you. What are the biggest benefits for you in being an entrepreneur here in Vancouver, BC? I want you I want you to give us some of the good points about starting a company here, but I also want you to give us some of the tough things or challenges for our listeners so they can keep an eye out for them. I think the good thing is that I think it's easy to attract talent here. Uh, talent, the Vancouverites go away to Toronto, New York. We all want to come back home. People want to come from other parts of Canada and come here. So I think getting talent here is 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 a, an advantage being in Vancouver. It's a great place to place to live. That's a that's a big plus, I believe. Uh, and some of the disadvantages, I would say, it's kind of a closed community from the at least you know, from our perspective. We manage 1.5 billion. There's other bigger firms in town that manage you know, 20, 30 billion, and it's it's. Very, it's it's. Uh, I'm not sure what the, old, what the old saying is. They, you know, a prophet's never respected in his own town. You kind of have to go away and make it, uh, make it, make it, make it big in Toronto before you're accepted uh, in Vancouver. So it's kind of a closed set from my perspective that you have to. But first, you have to make it in Toronto before you can be accepted here. And that's one of the things that we've been dealing with over the years. And so. Uh, the community doesn't treat. I think it's it's it's. Uh, local talent as well maybe as it should but that's the, that's the reality of life okay let's talk about how you think about your business we do some of our best work outside the office is there a place in the lower mainland close to where you live or work where you like to go recharge or get inspired with ideas or just think about your business and does it change with the season considering all the rain we get here well 
Well, there's, there's two things that I do that keep me sane. And uh, one thing is I play tennis. I play tennis three or four times a week. And tennis is a combination of exercise and meditation. So when you're out there slugging the ball, I play, only play singles, slug the ball for an hour and a half. You're totally focused on this little yellow object. It's a form of meditation. And it really helps me. <laughs> My wife can tell me when, can tell when I haven't played tennis because I'm getting grumpy. And she kicks me out of the house. And the second thing that really uh, settled me down is is my is my yard. I, I live by a creek. We have a big a big lot, and I go work in the creek bed, bushwhacking, working in the riparian bushwhacking, building paths, uh, building structures, supporting cliffs, and those kinds of things. And it's just I, I, I was my wife always gardened. I never did. Never liked it. Uh, but for some reason, I got into the creek bed, into the wild, near the stream, running stream. I just fell in love with that. I can be down there for three hours and think it's one hour. It's it, and I come back, I'm totally relaxed. I can be in, I can be tired. I go down to the creek bed, start working, and whether that's uh, the running water or the oxygen down there, whatever it is, I come back totally recharged. So those are two things that keep me centered and keep me uh, keep me sane. Okay, we have a lot of international listeners, so this next question, I'm, I want you to speak to them. If you were to start all over again, and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, but this time you don't know anyone, knowing what you know now, what would you do, and how would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? Well, one thing I think to advise to, was to do different uh, would be to focus more on more of a niche. Uh, I think especially today, even more so than when we started, you have to be seen as doing something well and get in that niche and focus on it. And I think you need a longer uh, uh, runway as well in terms of uh, cash flow to keep you to get off the ground probably, probably three or four years before you really recognize something. So uh, number one, have more of a niche. And also to, I think I, was, I would make more of a commitment to technology and building technology, knowing what I know now and knowing how technology has become so important. But it's always been an important, important part of our, our product offering. And what we've had to do is build technology. But I think I would even do more of it now and make a real commitment to technology. Okay. What does the first hour look like for you when you get up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you get motivated to start your day? Uh, yeah. I get up and I hit the gym first thing. I, I get up and hit the gym first thing. I, I hit the gym at least for... 20 minutes to half an hour every day. Um, even if I play tennis, whatever, I hit the gym first. I get up, I, I do stretching. Uh, I go through a lightweight uh, routine to limber up my body and just to work on work on my core, doing planks. Uh, that's something I do every day. I just, every morning I get up, I do something. Okay, do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique in a positive way or are wired differently? I think... Yes, I think they do. I think you have, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's lots of ups and downs. And I think you always have to see the glass half full. And uh, <laughs> you really do. Because you have to solve problems. There's, you know, you'll, have, you'll have a crisis. There's always a crisis around the corner. And you've got to, you have to overcome that crisis and, and solve problems and be creative. And so I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur is you, you, figure, you figure out a way to innovate, to get to solve problems. And uh, you have to be a bit different. I think you have to be uh, have some mental toughness about you. And uh, it's you know, as being an entrepreneur, 
uh, is I love it. It's great. There's lots of ups and lots of downs. And, uh, you know, I think one of, the, one of the things that I've learned after all these years is that things are never going as good as you think they are uh, when they're going very well. <laughs> and they're never as bad as they are when you're, you're in a trough kind of thing. And, and that's what I think. So I don't get too excited when I'm at the at a peak or at a trough. And I know that things will come around again. I just got to keep focusing, moving my feet. That's one of my, one of my sayings. Is like, keep moving your feet. Good things will happen. It's like in basketball. And uh, things do come around. Okay, what books are you reading now and why, or even audiobooks? And can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also aspiring entrepreneurs? Okay, well, you know, my job is to study the world. I'm an investment counselor, and so I'm always curious about cultural shifts and geopolitics. And um, one of the, I'll just, I'll just give you the latest three books. Let me just pull the third one out here. Uh, ready? The last three books I read in this order. I'll recommend one, a fourth book before I give you these three here. But the one book I would really highly recommend uh, would be called The Accidental Superpower. I, I read it about two years ago, and really it's, in, it's on geopolitics and talks about a lot of the trends in the world today. I don't have the author on me, but uh, I would really highly recommend it. It's called The Accidental Superpower, and it's about empires and geopolitics and how the and how the geology has a big impact on those okay any online or offline tools that you like to use on a daily basis um no i'm plugged into i have my own systems my third my proprietary systems and uh, uh i have uh uh and i'll just give you my other three books here if you, if you care but I just okay sure it's just care reading. Uh, I read uh, one of the things I've been studying is the, trying to understand as a culture and you know the, the big political divide kind of thing. Uh, I read Stephen Harper's Right Here, Right Now book. I found very insightful to the, in helping understand the Brexit movement and the Trump movement. And then I read uh, just finished a book called Springtime for Snowflakes: Social Social Justice and its Postmodern Parentage by a guy called Michael Rechtenwald, who's a professor at uh, Columbia. Interesting about what's going on on campuses and how what we're seeing on, on I guess you'd say, the far left. And I just finished uh, The Story of the Blockchain uh, by Omid Malikan. I'm just talking about different cryptocurrencies, so I have to understand those a lot more in my, in my business. But I'm trying to understand, I like geopolitics, history, and uh, Anything on the culture is what I tend. I don't read much fiction. I tend to read more history and and what's going on in the world right now. Okay, if you were doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? Oh, I think I would be probably in. I might be in science somewhere. I like studying things like research, like modeling, building models, for example. Um, uh, we have to be something and somewhere creative because that's, that's what I do. And I, I just being an entrepreneur is great. Being in the investment markets is also it's always stimulating. The world's changing. I study the world. The world is my oyster, and I get to study it full time. So it would have to be something I'd say more in the science realm where I'm uh, studying something of, or whatever. What kind of a job would you not like to do? Couldn't do it. I think. Um, 
being a lawyer, <laughs> having a bunch, being a lawyer who has to read a lot of documents. I, I just, I don't know how they do that. That's a special talent to do that. I, can, I couldn't do that. Okay. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? Oh, I would say, well, to me, it's if, whenever there's a mistake made, for example, I, I would say, what is, let's make this a learning experience. Uh, I think make this a learning moment. Like, what have we learned from our mistakes? I also use words like, uh, you know, what's the business model? What's the process? What's the structure of this? I try to understand forms and structures, I guess. So I talk about disciplines as well. Those are some of the things that I think that I use a lot uh, in, my, in my business language. What is your least favorite word or sentence you do not like to hear? Well, in business, I don't like negative speech or negative thoughts. I just think uh, it, it can creep into your into your conversations. I think it's, I just, I'm always thinking positive. I want to be positive, and um, I think you. I think it's something I learned from my from my from my father is that you've got to forgive people if they make mistakes. Make it a learning make it a learning experience uh, experience, and. Um, I just don't like negativity uh, in my workplace. And I'm unfortunate that I, I work in a great place and uh, the team that I work with are always scoping to the task at hand and, and getting you know, getting performance is our, is our goal. We try to understand where we're dropping the ball, where we're making mistakes and, and trying to improve those, improve the process. So it's always, it's always about improving our process. We're very process driven. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Well, I think I'm creative because I have to understand a lot of different things. I think I'm almost very, I'm almost, almost very focused. And I think uh, I'm very focused and, and I think disciplined. I, I'm process driven. I'm focused on what gets performance. And also what I have to do, I think often too many entrepreneurs focus on too many things. Like, like they say, you should focus on two or three things that are important and ignore the ones that are not because after a while, no one will care about them anyways. That's been my experience is focus on, I can, in terms of my organization and my team, I have to focus on the top two or three things that really will move the, move the organization forward. And that's what I tend to do. And I, mean, I think I'm good at that. I'm very focused in that perspective. Okay. Anything keep you up at night? Uh, when I don't get performance, uh, <laughs> I can lose some sleep. But I, uh, I've gotten better at that over the time. I've, I've, uh, I used melatonin for years during the 2008 uh, you know, great recession. That, I, that was really a rough go there. I thought the whole system might go down. I had some many sleepless nights, but I got uh, I got uh, I used melatonin uh, during that period. I got five hours of melatonin and do sleep, and that helped me get through the crisis. Okay, I want you to give us the top three things on your inspired life list. This could be whether you want to do a TEDx talk, you want to travel more, write write a book, philanthropy, anything like that. Um. I'd say my number one thing I want to do for the rest of my career and focus on is artificial intelligence applications around investing. And uh, by nature, you know, I've got a very scientific background. We have a quantitative investment process. The next level for us is artificial intelligence. And I'm definitely keen in that area. I've been looking at it for years. I want, I want to build more applications there. It's where the world is going, where we all have to go. And that's going to be my effort to the end of my career. Uh, also, I want to play Masters Tennis <laughs> whenever I retire. I want to go just get a, go play on the Masters Tennis uh, Tour and, 
uh, chase a bunch of tennis balls down when I have more time, but not, I don't have the time right now. I want to spend more time with my wife too, I guess, longer term. The big thing for me in my career now is, is AI, and, and next thing we'll be playing Masters Tennis on my bucket list. I've traveled quite a bit around the world. I want to do some of that. I want to see uh, Scandinavia, some of Russia maybe, but uh, uh, I've done a lot of traveling already, so that's not my bucket list. Okay. Do you have any advice that you may have received that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout British Columbia? Um, you know, I would say I learned a lot from my father, believe it or not. Just uh, one thing he always did, he's, he always forgave mistakes and made, uh, made them into a learning opportunity. He would always pitch in if there was a job to get done that had to get done that was critically important. He would pitch in and even though it was a, a labor-driven job, he'd help the whole team get the job done. So when you have to pitch in, pitch in and get your, help your team to get the job done. And I think also you have to know your whole business model. You know, understand your whole process. I think too many CEOs operate at 40,000 feet and don't understand some of the processes. And uh, you've got to show that you can actually understand some of those. And uh, that's, you know, that's... I think a really, really important thing. That, those are some of the advice I would be. And another thing, too, is just you know, stay centered, focus, keep moving your feet. Good things will happen um, if you keep moving your feet. And things aren't usually as bad as they seem and are not as great as they seem. And uh, you'll overcome your issues. And, and if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you know, I enjoy getting into, into pickles and getting out of pickles. It's just, it's just it's what you do. It's what you have to do. You have to be creative. And it's not all a straight line. There's there's things you have to overcome and challenges, and uh, it's 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 part of the business. And uh, you, have to, you have to kind of condition yourself for that too, I would guess. Yeah, you do. That's why I think you know staying. In, that's why staying physically fit is very important to me. Uh, if you're a successful entrepreneur, you can make a lot of money. You can make as much money as as a, as a sports as an athlete, for example, and so. You've got to keep yourself uh, fit and in shape. It helps your, your mental acuity as well. When I started my business after three or four years, I was working 15 hours a day. And I was I burned out. I hit the wall. And uh, after I, I almost took, took a year off. I had to slow down for a year effectively and discovered that if I'm not in physical shape and not healthy, I'm no good to my business or my family. And so it's always been, for me, it's, since then, it's always been take care of your health and your fitness and uh, if you want to succeed uh, in business. Okay, Wayne, are you ready to have some fun? Sure. Okay, as you know, entrepreneurs are very, very busy people, always on the go, traveling, uh, we're on phone with clients, texting, messages, online, you name it. We're gonna take you away from all that. There's a small tropical island just off of Fiji that only has one phone booth there. There is no internet, this place does exist. We're going to drop you off there. You won't have a computer or smartphone or a tablet. You can use the phone booth located there anytime to call the boat, and we'll come pick you up. How long would you last before you made that call? And what would you do while you were there? Well, what I would do, I think, initially is I've, I've been on an island for a month before, and after a month, I was really <laughs> I got island fever. I had to go home. I wanted to go home badly. So I think what I would tell you is um, come pick me up in a month. And I will cut the cord because I don't want to have to deal with the markets when I'm aware <laughs> the markets or what's going on in the markets. And I would just chill out. I think I'd lay on the beach for the first week and let my mind turn to mush. 
And after the first week, I'm probably getting involved, getting, you know, working, start working on my body, getting back in shape and just resting, relaxing, reading a lot of books. I bring a stack of books with me, just read books for a month and exercise. And if there's a tennis court, I play tennis, of course, but I think I could do that for a month and, uh, and come back fit, uh, well-read and relaxed. Okay, good. So a little bit of intellectual, a little bit of physical, come off the island, uh, well rested with some more knowledge and uh, better physical conditioning. That's what I do for holidays typically. Is I, try, I, I use it as a it means to re, to recharge my batteries, my physical physical being, and my mental being as well, and, and come back uh, recharged. Okay, Wayne, we're going to wrap things up. How can our listeners get hold of you? Is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Um, I would just say you can go look at, look up through LinkedIn and. Uh, uh, you can check out our, our Genus Capital website or Genus Fossil Free website and uh, uh, just watch out for us. We think we're doing a lot of good things in the, in the, in the green space, making a difference, I believe. And uh, really enjoyed talking with you today. Great. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Hey there. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes and then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.